Hello, welcome to Cold Pizza. My name is Rusty. I'm a pastor here at Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio, and this is our weekly podcast where we take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sundays. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher and tackle any further questions, applications, or other bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't make it into the main meal. So, grab a slice and join us this week with Pastor Jeff. Hello, Russell. Brought us the big New Yorker this week from Pizza Hut on Sunday. I did, yeah. You know, I just went with it. It's, it's the shack size one from from Papa John's? Nobody was leaving, so I was like, I'll just keep going. <laughs> Most of the kids had fallen asleep by that time, so I was like, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> and I hadn't lost too many uh, adults. No, it was, it, was, it was very good stuff. I figured that a sermon about grit... And perseverance <laughs> put it to the test. should be put to the test a little <laughs> bit, right? <laughs> Here you go. Object lesson right away. Right. Uh, I don't know what your actual title was. Grace and Grit. Grace and Grit. I have Make Shame Great Again. Oh. I, ha- I have Gritty Grace. I, I did say Make Shame Great Again. I said I was going to make a hat that said that. There we go. Yeah. Uh, that was from Hebrews 12, 14 through 17, helping tear us through that chapter. We're almost done, man. It's it's coming close. Yeah, I was talking to Matt this afternoon because um, he's off for the next couple of weeks, yep. uh, at least from preaching and some office duty. But uh, I was like, yeah, you can start thinking about Advent and whatever comes next. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, like, his eyes kind of bugged a little bit. He's like, oh, yeah, I guess it's coming. Well, I mean, we usually go Old Testament, New Testament, but we basically did both with Hebrews. Yeah. Right? It is that. Yeah. So. So cool. This week, uh, you talk uh, brought us through this picture of really threefold picture of things to look out for as we start to apply some of this discipline, mm-hmm. and as we're trying to tie that connection from chapter eleven and faith into discipline and how it looks for us to live. Um, and so, as we uh, as we head into this, I want to uh, encourage you all, by the way, to send in any questions that you have. We were able to tackle. One of those last week with Pastor Matt. If you guys have questions on Sunday, just go ahead and email them in. Uh, mm-hmm. Send those our way. Uh, if you talk to us after the, the sermon, we may or may not remember those right. things. It's a lot going on, but we'd love to have you send those in. So, so we get into here. Um, there's kind of three main components, I suppose. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to talk about up front was this idea of grit. So you brought that in very specifically. Mm-hmm. And it was a little interesting the way that you were trying to describe it in that it's not something that we're unfamiliar with if you read even a cursory glance through the New Testament. Yep. Paul talks about it all over the place. Yep. Jesus talks about it. I mean, it's it's not an unfamiliar thing. So why don't we have another word for it? Grit. And so <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like... It's because what's the Latin word for grit? Right. <laughs> you know? It's it's grit. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 reformers didn't pull the Latin out for that one, you know. No. And and I really think that you're you're onto something with we need that theological term for effort grit. That's not just perseverance. Right. Perseverance is is accurate, but it, it gets so wrapped up into what he's talking about ultimately, mm-hmm. and making sure that you get to the end. But that yeah nitty gritty in the day to day is yeah, what you're talking about is exactly what i'm saying and i i ironically i told you i said that this sermon can be like 30 minutes and then it ended up being <laughs> very long um half the stuff i said wasn't in my notes <laughs> by the way um i had surprisingly short amount of notes but 
in the beginning I said he had eight and a quarter pages. That's that's not very many for me at all. <laughs> um, I usually have like fourteen pages. Anyway, um, it really you want to live a victorious Christian life. It really is God's grace and the amount of grit that you have. Mm-hmm. Like if you believe that Jesus rose from the grave and ascended to the right hand of the Father and is ruling and reigning and giving you everything you need for life and for godliness, you have the scriptures, you have the community of the church, then, and I, I know, on one hand I wanna be like, let me give you lots of caveats and, and really work through this and say like, I, I know it's more than this, but when it really comes down to it, it's not. You might need to get there through some pastoral counseling, mm-hmm. right, or you know through um, reading a book on a specific issue to help you unpack it, but really at the end of the day, it's how much effort are you willing to put in? Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's the whole analogy of the runner. And I hope people saw that, like jumping in and out of those analogies, like Paul does, you can have the best equipment, mm-hmm. right? You, you can have all the apps and that we live in a culture today that is so obsessed with fitness, but they're obsessed with fitness and health in the most easy, accessible way possible. Give me the easiest way mm-hmm. to get fit and we end up doing really dumb stuff when <laughs> we, you, know, you just need to go out and rock it. People make it. a lot of money off of it. They do. They do. <laughs> there's so industry. many. Well, what's funny about that, there's so many charlatans in that world. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, there's so many charlatans in the Christian realm. Yeah. Right? Uh, who show me how to be in God's favor and to overcome my sin and live in holiness in the easiest way possible, mm-hmm. the least amount of effort. Yeah. Right? And so whether you go to a gym or whether you have a home gym or whatever, and now you can switch the analogy to your spiritual life, at the end of the day, it's still about picking up heavy things and putting them down, Mm -hmm. not putting certain things in your mouth Mm -hmm. (laughs) and other things that uh, don't taste as good or better better for you. Mm -hmm. And the same thing is true spiritually, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's that's why, you know, these sermons sometimes where it feels so blatantly obvious, it's just like kind of dumb, (laughs) right? Yeah, I'm enjoying my Twix iced coffee right now. I know, I see that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you drink that thing. Uh, it's it's fall. That's no, it just it tastes like somebody dropped a Twix bar and a bottle of kerosene. Kerosene. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I've ever drank kerosene, but if I yeah, I, I'm drinking it for the first part of that. Yeah. yeah. No. No, it's yeah. That's that's super. I I think that you you really are onto something because like, we talk about it and around it so much, and it needs a name and it can just be grit. I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah. Cool. So uh, one of the other things I wanted to bring in was this picture of judgment and repentance that's in here mm-hmm. um, because verse 15 is make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God has an opposite right mm-hmm. and and he spells it out a little bit more and this idea of being rejected right mm-hmm. but um the clearness of judgment i think is something that we as as a church as our church i think that we have we have a touch on to a degree uh, i don't think we appreciate it appropriately mm-hmm. and i certainly do not believe that the church at large um has any inkling of what the judgment of god looks like yeah Otherwise, we wouldn't have so many blank stares from people when we talk about the day, right? Right, right. Uh, and so I wanted to take us through a couple verses real quick on judgment and repentance from Joel and Hosea. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to illustrate that and, and get your thoughts on what our church maybe can do better on taking up this make sure no one falls short. Because yeah. you, uh, 
you, you talked about it before. Matt talked about it uh, in being in the race and people not realizing that they're in the race. Right. These types of things. This responsibility, accountability that we have for others, um, I think fits in these. So in Joel chapter 1, uh, this is a, a judgment declaration. It says, Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Alas for that day, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. Mm-hmm. And so then you have this uh, several chapters, well, not so much in Joel, but definitely in Hosea. Uh, these pictures of what that judgment is going to look like and the calamity comes and as the army of the Lord is arraigned against you and all that. But then there's these calls of love and hope because God is a covenant God. Mm-hmm. So Hosea 14 is a good illustration. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Hmm. You see the same kind of thing in Joel 2, 12-13. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Hmm. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Mm-hmm. So you have particularly that last Joel passage, and as it sits in inside your passage of, you know, he's, he didn't have opportunity for repentance. Right. Uh, what are your thoughts on judgment for us as a church, how we can be more accountable for each other, and then how that fits with, with Esau? Um, I think we have to have a, we've said this before, we have to have, a a real understanding of the reality of what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. It is literally life and death. Mm-hmm. And I there's I guess there's a lot of things that I could say that go into the reasons why people don't seem to approach the Christian faith, their own personal walk run and their brothers and sisters run there's a lot of things that go into that the reasons why they don't take it as seriously um but i think that that's what is needed Mm -hmm. Uh, a much more of a soberness and a somberness towards it um i think what has to um be imprinted on uh pulpits in permanent ink is to preach um, the offense of the gospel first. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about depravity, mm-hmm. right? We ha- and we, that's why I talked about make shame great again. We have to talk about shame and the proper use for it. And in our culture today, there is no good use for shame, mm-hmm. right? Now we tell people when they wear leather thongs, you know, in a parade that um, and call it pride, in front of children. In front of children, that that is brave and and wonderful, right? Um, or and without shame, people become audacious mm-hmm. and brash, and and the world is getting crazier and more dangerous because we are glorying in our wickedness and evil, mm-hmm. right? It's not just that it's not being punished. Yeah, it's being glorified and exalted and i think before you even begin to talk about how do you call people to repentance and god's judgment and how god uses the church to carry out that through discipline 
um, we've we've uh, got the car before the horse in some ways, or or we've we've really got things turned around because churches today are following suit of the world and they're exalting and uh, making heroes out of the victims. Right? You think of guys like Andy Stanley now, mm-hmm. who has the audacity to take our Lord's name <laughs> as a and and put that as a stamp of approval on his apostasy. Yeah. Right, and that kind of stuff should make true believers like ears turn hot. Like mm-hmm. my ears get hot when I get angry. <laughs> um, and I think though that that has then to um, burn. Your ears also should get hot as you burn with anger towards your own sin. Mm-hmm. Right. So if that makes sense, you know, we I think that judgment is um, something that we don't think much about. Uh, we view God as small and insignificant because we view our sin mm-hmm. as small and insignificant. And you're like, well, I don't glory in my in my sin the way you know we've seen the LBGTQ people do or whatever. But uh, we we do, yeah. You know, um, we do not we do not believe that uh, judgment is coming. Mm-hmm. Right? We always feel like that there's going to be a way out for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the man is not coming, <laughs> but he is, <laughs> right? And when the man comes around, all will yeah. be laid naked and bare, right? And only those who are in Christ will be found um, to be covered and not to hide their face in shame and cry for the rocks to fall on them. And I, th- I think there's a lot of other things I could say, but this, you know, highly emotional, highly too high of a relational um kind of Christianity with Jesus, my, my personal relationship. Once I got God, I'm good kind of a thing. And that's just not the case, mm-hmm. right? So if I had to say two things that have really perpetuated that, um, it would be not enough um, preaching on the proper use of shame for sin. Um, and the second thing would be we've isolated our relationship with Jesus to the personal and not the corporate. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, it is personal, but it is also corporate. Right. Um, and so we see that nobody has, we think that nobody has the response, uh, that nobody has the right, even though they do have the responsibility to speak into our lives. We say, no, 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 no. Don't speak into my life. It's between me and Jesus. You're judging me. And then we also neglect um, being graciously intrusive to our brothers and sisters when we see them walking in unrighteousness. Right. Yeah. And act as if we hate them. Mm-hmm. So I would start there. I think that if you don't view sin as big and and see it as um, that's where you started yesterday. Heinous, with the holiness of God. Yeah, th- it's because you have a very very low view of the holiness of God. Mm-hmm. And, and if you have a really bad attitude um, and have a you know hard time with God's judgment, in particular in the Old Testament, it's because that you don't see your sin as as God sees it, mm-hmm. you think you're a pretty dang good person. Yeah. Right. And the sin that God hates the most, he says often is pride. Mm-hmm. So watch out. <laughs> right. Yeah. I hope that's helpful. No, that's great. That's a great segue to you. And this last piece we want to talk about was this picture here in verse 15. He says, make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up causing trouble and defiling many. Mm. There's a ton in there. There's a lot. Um, I think the two things I want to touch on, one I want to touch on and one we want to discuss, um, is this aspect of if you are 
bitter, you're going to fall short of the grace of God. Yeah. If you have bitterness in your heart, you're not going to make it, is his point. Yeah. Right? And I think that there's, because you were talking uh, yesterday some about this idea of people who uh, have, who are bitter, but say, you know, they're they're blessed or, or they just, you know, deal with it. And this is... Mm idea that we can have some kind of simmering bitterness in our heart and still, you know, maybe not, we're not great here, but we'll make it. And he's right. saying, no, you won't. <laughs> no, it, it's literally gangrene. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Cause that was the second piece here is, um, it, it causes trouble and defiles many. There's yeah. a ton of power that you have over the body and you don't realize it. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why it's so dangerous too. And so one of the things we wanted to talk about in this is this subtleness of these roots of bitterness. Yeah. I think you have to, just to back up a second, and if you just read over the passage again, it's pretty jarring. Mm -hmm. Because he's saying, make sure, church, it's your responsibility to be your brother's keeper in this way. Make every effort um, that no one falls short of the grace of God. Literally, make sure that nobody does not finish the race. They need to finish the race. Mm-hmm. What will keep you from finishing the race? These little subtle bitternesses. Yeah. This, this little sewage of sin that's allowed to stay. Um, the passage from Deuteronomy, which he's he's kind of riffing off, um, calls them uh, little poisonous bitter fruits. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that is allowed to fester with no repentance it will grow cuz you cuz in order to be there it has it will be fed right you either starve it to death or feed it right and whether you feed it all the time every day 24/7 and it gets the majority of your focus or whether it's you give it the scraps mm-hmm. it's going to grow and what he's saying is if you let those things grow you will end up like Esau and you will not finish the race mm-hmm. right so that has a lot of application for us as as fellow believers because that's the charge to us to not let that happen in the race picture it reminds me of like the idea of like a pebble in your shoe yeah now that doesn't fit the the feeding aspect but i mean it does kind of grow like you keep hitting it you keep hitting it it changes your gait it changes causes a a, you know a um a a blister yeah kind of thing now to the feeding aspect, there's that like cancerous type feel to it, and man, there's a there's been some correlation that we've seen with people who um, you've talked told this story before of a lady in your previous church, as bitter as can be, and just oh, yeah. eaten away with literal cancer. Literally, yeah, it just ate her up. Very physically fit person, mm-hmm. um, but just probably one of the most bitter, angry people I've ever known in my life drove everybody else around her away from her literally tore her house down in that very proverb type of a way and um a couple years after um we tried to call her to repentance she found out she unbeknownst to her was riddled with cancer and died shortly after that very sad blesses herself in her heart saying i shall be safe though i walk in the stubbornness of my heart yeah exactly i you know i think i think that that verse in Deuteronomy, that's a very jarring verse. One who, when they hear the word, right, they bless themselves in their heart, saying, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. They're not even claiming anymore, I'll be okay because, well, God still loves me, or mm-hmm. I'll be okay even though I'm stubborn. They, they know it, 
and that's the searing of the conscience and you get to a point and I think that verse is really a verse that applies to when we stand up every Sunday to take communion mm. how often do we say I'll be fine mm-hmm. I'll be blessed and we take the the body and the blood in our hands and I think then you know to the story I just told about the lady in my previous church I think that's where some of that Paul says this is why some of you are sick right your spiritual sickness has implications and consequences elsewhere too right it it touches again that goes back to that this is life and death Mm -hmm. right not just spiritually it is you know and satan is very happy to take his time on these things (laughs) right that's that's, uh that's a especially when you think about this growing aspect of it yeah so to take us home what are some roots of, of bitterness that you can think of uh particularly those ones that are left unchecked and, and they lead to death. I think one thing that we just don't realize, you know, that, so the author of Hebrews tells us that we're supposed to make every effort uh, to help people not fall away mm-hmm. or make sure that they don't fall away from God's grace. And a part of how we're to do that is we're supposed to pursue peace, mm-hmm. right? Um, so he calls people to pursue peace and over the kind of just a glossing over that, you could be tricked into thinking, okay, you know, he's been telling me that I need to call people to repentance, but then striving for peace, at least in our day and age, mm-hmm. seems to mean just live and let live. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. The, yeah. the coexist thing, um, you know, I try to just make everybody happy. Uh, and, you know, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. Why do you got to always be so offensive? Why do you got to be snarky about these things? We're supposed to be people of peace. And that is true. Mm-hmm. Right. But what he's saying in this context is that the way that we're supposed to pursue peace, especially with our brothers and sisters in Christ, helping ensure that they don't fall short, is to call them to holiness. Mm-hmm. Right? And it goes back to Matt's sermon that he preached you know, several weeks ago now that's kind of been one of the, we've had these kind of like touch points throughout Hebrews that we've gone back to, these things that have kind of stuck, you know, yeah. do sheepy things, mm-hmm. you know, the homeward bound um, I won't let you give up. And then um, Matt saying that there is no peace without righteousness. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the a subtle bitterness that creeps into our heart uh, and poisons us uh, as these little subtle sins are something like people who confess a little bit of sin just to be relieved of the pressure, mm-hmm. but they don't then confess it all or all the way down or, um, and most importantly, they don't then walk in repentance. Mm-hmm. They just confess it, yeah. and that's it. They don't do anything with it. They don't change. Yeah. And then what happens then is there's a false peace built, right? There's a false um, reconciliation with whoever perhaps you've asked you know, forgiveness of. Mm-hmm. But now you're not doing anything to fix that. And so what's going to happen? It's just going to happen again. Or you expect forgiveness because you've confessed a little something without right. actually repenting. Yeah. Or, and, and or you don't want the consequences, mm-hmm. right? Well, hang on. I didn't think I was supposed to have any consequences. We have to teach our kids that. Mm-hmm. Um, another one would be that um, Paul says that we are supposed to strive to maintain the, the, the unity of the spirit mm-hmm. and the bond of peace. So this peace that we have with brother, with our brothers and sisters in Christ is already something that's been established by the Holy Spirit, right? Um, but we are to strive, make every effort, same language as Hebrews, to call people to 
a holiness mm-hmm. and a righteousness and how often we are unwilling to do that because just we, we don't, I don't know, we don't like the uncomfortable feeling of having to call somebody out. Well, I, one of the ones that I see for bitterness is people who are really nitpicky. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. Which I think is different than what you were describing a moment ago in the major sense that there's a significant difference between being nitpicky and calling people to holiness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, calling people to righteous acts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when you think about even our pastoral ministry, the vast, vast majority of what we do mm-hmm. is not calling people out on sin. Right. <laughs> nitpicky, you know? Yeah. We're calling people to love and good works. Yeah. And when you're doing the right things, it keeps you from doing the yeah. wrong things. Yeah, let me give you an example. Let me help you know how you're being nitpicky. You're being nitpicky is one indication of that is is if you're talking to everybody else except the person that you're nitpicking. That's important. Right? <laughs> then now you're in danger of gossip and slander. Absolutely. Right? Um, and you're also, you're also nitpicking... I think of this like when somebody listens to a sermon um, or a class or something, and they like to lift one little thing, right? And they're not applying their brain mm-hmm. um, or allowing the Holy Spirit to, to un- help them understand the context of what's being said. And they'll take one little thing mm-hmm. and take such offense at that, right? So one of the ways you know that you're nitpicking is if you're taking one little thing, right? Or if you're always if you're always finding something, mm-hmm. right? And it it's yes, these little things we've said will lead to bigger things. Mm-hmm. But if you're always finding something and you're not also able to look and see where people are growing, mm-hmm. right, and how they're overcoming, then you're probably a nitpicker. Yeah. Right? You're probably a, a, a little eye inspector. Well, I think that that is an evidence of frustration. Mm-hmm. And so you need to get to the root of that frustration. Yeah. yeah. The, the nitpicking, you know, um, I had a opportunity to help my son just a, an hour ago he came to me uh we're down in the gym area and he comes over and he says dad abe and he started going off and i put my hand up and i stopped him and i said have you told your brother his sin and he's like no i haven't but I stopped him again i want you to go tell him mm-hmm. his sin right because you're you're skipping a step in matthew 18 and he says well, it's not sin. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, what was it? And it was just some little annoyance, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And so the the hard work we have to do, I think that's one of those things that we can easily fall into is in our nitpicking is we we like to demonize everything mm-hmm. as sin, right? Yeah. So what you got to do, if, if you, as we are trying to pursue peace, as we are trying to call each other to holiness, what you need to do when you see something is to step back and say, is this my preference? Mm-hmm. Is um, Am I making a law out of this where the scripture is not? Um, is this an area where I just need to be long-suffering with this person? Yeah. Right? It, yeah, not, this, this aspect of perceived injustice is huge. Right, right. And this is a good example for your kids too. Like I've heard you say before, there's been times when your kids weren't, caught in you weren't able to discipline them decisively because they weren't caught in the act of something but the, you knew it was going to come around again mm-hmm. right like being dishonest or something they were going to get caught in it right so oftentimes you know we we require wolf too quickly mm-hmm. right um and yes we need to make sure that these little things are being taken care of but 
we uh, also got to be careful that we're not uh, going global every time we see something. Oh, yeah. Usually that's going to be an indication of you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in the parenting thing, if I have to go global, it's probably because I didn't lead and set up a system. Yep, exactly. And what you need to do in that situation is you need to step back and you need to say, okay, Lord, um, search me, know me, try me, see if there's any wicked way in me. Uh, I'm going to assume that I'm the problem. Maybe I'm just worried about my preference. Maybe I'm just being arrogant. Maybe I'm trying to uh, focus on their sin so I can avoid my sin. Usually the thing that makes you mad in other people is a problem you have, by the way. Right? <laughs> and yes. then... Yeah. Right. And, so bad. It's right. Often. And then the next step is to go to the scripture, right? And I say, don't know that I've ever not seen that be the case. <laughs> oh, it is always the case. Yeah. <laughs> It's so funny to me. I just—it's my favorite thing in um, my favorite thing in marriage counseling. I know. Yeah. Be like, I'm so upset about them doing this, and we start to unpack it, and they're like, "Crap, I got a big problem in this." <laughs> <laughs> Every time. That's just a general rule, folks. It, it is. You know, are That's you? That's why re- you can see it. Really angry. It's probably exactly. It's probably because you uh, you know it well, mm-hmm. right? You know very well the sins of other people because uh, it's in your own heart. Because you already have the lenses on. Exactly. So go to the scripture then, find out if it's actually sin or not. If it is, go to your brother, yeah. right? And go to him with the spirit to win him, mm-hmm. right? And and this spirit of running with each other in the race is not a, hey, I'm going to run up and just slander your um, your uh, that you didn't pull the rock out of your shoe, <laughs> right? I'm going to come alongside and I'm going to show you where you need to fix this and I'm, I'm willing to help you do that, mm-hmm. right? I'm willing to run with you. I'm yeah. willing to run with you because even when you've suffered the consequences of the rock in your shoe and you're having to slow a little bit and limp, right? Mm-hmm. I'll help you. Yep. We'll get there. But there's a lot of other little bitternesses and little tiny things that, sin- that tend to creep around in our hearts um, that if we don't check them, um, we will end up like Esau. And that, I don't think, again, I just don't think people realize, they just don't take the scripture seriously, Russ. Mm-hmm. Like that ah, doesn't that never happened to me. Well, as you said, it's a Bible issue. Right. It it all comes down to a Bible issue, right? And this is what the Bible says will happen. And if you find yourself in that Not place, to me. No, exactly. That's what we always say, though. But that's what we say about everything, right? Well, mm-hmm. oh, that thing will never happen to me. Yep. And then there it goes, mm-hmm. right? Amen. And what happens to you though is you will find that when it does. Um, erupt. Mm-hmm. It's because it's been brewing for a long time. Oh yeah, definitely. Right, the yep. volcano's been churning for a long time before it erupts. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think it would be good for you guys in your home groups this week to chat through this this picture of what bitternesses have you seen in your life that have gone unchecked. Yeah. Um, and then ideally, the rest of the room should raise their hand and be like, "Yeah, that was me too, or is me now?" Yeah. Like let other people help you see those things. Uh, the other thing that you had yesterday, and I think we'll, we'll go ahead and throw this in home groups, sure. is this uh, material from Thomas Watson in 1668 on the doctrine of repentance. Um, I've uh, th- This is heavy stuff. <laughs> Matt and I were texting during your sermon. Um, <laughs> we saw a while ago, and I've seen it a little bit different than this, uh, but the idea of seeing your sin before you can grieve your sin, before yep. you can confess it, before you can repent, and not... I mean, we call people to faith and repentance, but there's a process before you get to that repenting, mm-hmm. truly repenting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that I think that would be great stuff then to take some of those bitternesses through or, or other sins that you can think of. But, man, 
the general issue that we've seen and we've been talking about in cold pizza that we just don't have people doing outright sin sins you know as sure. much i mean mature believers are not just lying left and right you right. know or, or murdering <laughs> these types of things it's this kind of stuff that you have to do the gritty hard work yeah to dig under get your fingernails dirty and say well, what is within me yeah and i I, that's why I said in the beginning of the sermon, if you don't hear anything else I say, hear this, the Christian life is simply God's grace and your grit. Mm -hmm. Because as I'm looking at Thomas Watson's, and we'll unpack these in home groups, I'll put them in the reflection questions, but the last one, the turning from sin, right? Mm -hmm. that, that he says that the, the way that you turn from sin and repentance should be visible. Mm -hmm. People should be able to see it, Yeah. right? see you walking in repentance it's funny it's like i some of the stuff we've dealt with with our kids um there's been some pretty consistent issues over the past month as we've been moving and i understand it's a weird time for them it's higher stress all this stuff mm -hmm. but as we do correction with them it feels more like they're pinging off the left and right wall but still going mm -hmm. down right. the same path it's like a, a really wild you know your pinball machine that or a bowling ball down uh, the bumpers you yeah. know and the picture of repentance should be like, no, guys, Christians don't do this. Right. They turn around and go the other way. Yeah. And and that is such a visible turn when you see that happen in the kid, when they really say, oh, wow, yeah, this is unchristian. This yeah. is not what I should be doing. Yeah. That turns so much different than just that, like, slight worldly sorrow yeah. where they just bump off that wall, but they're going to hit the next one. Yeah, exactly. And what when you come to that point – of understanding your sin, seeing it, uh, hatred for sin, and then turning from sin. As you begin to turn and walk in repentance, don't expect it to be easy. It's hard. You're, that sin has probably been your companion for a long time. Well, you've got to walk it back. Yeah, you've got to walk it back. There's lots of things that you might have to to do, and it's not easy. It's it's very hard, and God has given you the grace to do it. And the only thing standing between you and walking repentance is your effort, mm -hmm. right? And I've I've heard you know too many people who have been walking well, running well, and then you know you you face this in ministry sometimes where you're talking to somebody and you're like, man, they've been doing so good, they've been running well, they've been you know walking in faithfulness in their ministries and their family and so on. And all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I think I'm going to need to pull back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just, we're just too busy and right. Like, no, lean in. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. Lean in. That's why I started with that analogy from Narnia. Like you are capable of more. Mm -hmm. There is a gallop that you don't know you possess. And God in his kindness will give you hardship to help you realize that. And listen, we're going through a hardship right now as a family, and I hate it. Mm -hmm. I hate it because I like being in control. Mm -hmm. But by God's grace, I'm already starting to see some of those Amen. those um, speeds that I didn't realize I possessed. <laughs> but anybody that's lifted or run or done anything that's hard, you don't want to kick it up a notch. Because it's going to hurt. Nope. Yeah, that's where I was this morning. Right. You know, I was getting, doing a tough drill, it sucked. And uh, I, I was breathing pretty heavy at the end of it. And coach was like, do you want another one? And I'm like, let's do it. Right. This is, this is where cardio is built right now. Right. So, yeah. And that's just what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. Whether it's one more spanking, whether it's one more conversation with your spouse, mm -hmm. 
whether it's getting up early and going to the gym, whether it's going and making the meal again, or having that conversation that's difficult with your neighbor. Yeah. That's what it is. Yep. And the reason we don't do it down in the bottoms of our heart is because we love self mm-hmm. more than we love God. Because if we love God, we will um, be willing to sacrifice for yeah. that. And there's this uh, Louis, it makes me think of this um, story, Louis Zamperini. He was, there's a, a book written about him and pretty uh, cheesy movie made about him. But um, great, great book, Unbroken. He was a World War II pilot, but before that he was a really successful runner. And he and his brother were runners, and um, his brother would always say, pain is temporary, glory is eternal. Mm-hmm. And because they would get into these races, and it would hurt, and he, and Louis won a race one time in the midst of a lot of pain, because mm-hmm. um, something didn't go right in the race. And he just kept remembering that saying from his brother over and over and over again. And he overcame the pain, and he won the race, mm-hmm. you know, and he's now entered into the, the glory hall of fame of... Um, of runners and uh the same is true for us as believers right the Uh the suffering and the hardships that we face here are temporary Mm -hmm. but the glory that they are producing is eternal we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses to it yeah and so run well run faithful and if you see somebody starting to lag behind and make excuses um pursue the holiness with them in the spirit of peace amen well, we hope that this has been helpful, uh, and we definitely want to continue to press in and, and great down. So I encourage you guys to go know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.